0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the RiderFlex podcast. Along with our daily tips on career advice, our show features entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and influencers from all types of industries, sharing their stories, providing advice based on their experiences, and chatting about their companies. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, you can email us at podcast at And if you like today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and give us a quick thumbs up. And now a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand.
0: How's your body? Like you're still pretty active, right? You're, you're, you do a little workout, you you ski, do you, do you run, do you bike, what, What's your activity, physical activity? Physical activity needs to be more. So typically (laughs) I bike a lot. I
1: mountain bike a lot. Last summer, I only rode once, which was really weird. We were just super busy. And I think mentally, you know, you always have those decisions to make of in the morning. Do I go ride or do I go in early and get after it at work? And last summer, I just chose the work path. And in some ways that was good. Um, It's counterintuitive though. When I get out, it's all the things that you hear oxygen for the brain. You get thinking, you get feeling better. So typically I like to mountain bike a lot in the winter. I ski a little bit, maybe three to four times. Um, uh, so not a lot, maybe 10 yeah. times max, just little, just hitting runs quickly up at, uh, Eldora. Yeah, and then just weights and running just trying to keep active.
0: It is very easy, uh, as an executive, as a founder to just get up super early and race to, to get started with whatever your list is, right? Because there's always a list. I mean, the list is never, it's never done, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's easy to grab that first cup of coffee and just go. Uh, but, but you're right, you know, for the listeners, I'm always more creative and more strategic if I disconnect, go to the mountains, whatever it is, you know, whether you're a camper, hiker, skier, I'm, for me, I'm a, I'm a camping guy. I like to get out in my Jeep and go to the mountains for a day or two by myself. And I always come back with better thoughts about the team, strategic ideas that I hadn't had a chance to think about, um, decisions I've been trying to make, uh, whatever, because it forces you to put the phone down, put the put the chat messages down, and just and just think. And it is it is super healthy. It's tough to do, right? It's tough to force yourself to do it because you want to you want to knock out all those tactical items on your to do list. <laughs> yeah, that is tough. Uh, it is very important. Um, so, how's the family? How's the how's the wife? How's the kids? How's the basketball? Give me an update.
1: Family's good. Kids are growing up super fast. My oldest is going to college early. So she's a freshman in college. She's a junior in high school, but she's doing the community college route.
0: What? And then she's a junior in
1: high school. Uh, she's already taking college courses. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So Colorado has a thing called Colorado Early Colleges. So she's going to Fairview. She took some AP classes. And based on your grades, your first couple of years, you can apply to essentially get your GED and your college accreditation early. So she Whoa. goes to, um, uh, it's sad. I should know the college. I'm blanking right now, but she goes to a community college <laughs> at Broomfield. And then I have a freshman at Fairview. And then I have a 12-year-old and an 11-year-old. So,
0: four So kids. It's four teenagers. It's busy at your house. To, uh, now, yeah. who's, the baske- who's the basketball yeah. player?
1: Well, we have all of them play. Okay. They all love the sport. Two of them, though, that you're probably thinking of that are playing competitively would be Savannah. She's a freshman, and then Charlotte. She's 12, so they both okay. play competitive.
0: Okay. So, out of the four kids, now, see, so you get in trouble when you answer this next question. Out of the four kids, the two youngest are the most 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 athletic, and the, is how does that work? Or are they all about the same?
1: Yeah, um, I would say the two middle are the most athletic. The two middle, the okay. Youngest. My son loves, my son's the youngest. He's really into engineering, uh, loves math, piano, uh, building things. He plays soccer. He plays soccer and basketball. So he's still, to our point about being active, you know, it's really important for him to be active. But if you were to ask him what he wants to do or what he likes to do as a hobby, his first thing won't be a sport, although he does love soccer. But I think his first thing would be, you know, Putting, playing Legos, playing piano, doing something with his hands, building something.
0: How about that? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, all right, very cool. Anybody? Who, who's the hardest to handle? You know, attitude-wise, uh, personality. Who, who's the toughest to manage?
1: Oh man, I think that they all have equal passions. <laughs> so they're all, you know, they're they're just at different ages, and and I'm sure you've seen this with your kids. I think it's more age than personality. Like at each age, you kind of see them fighting to find themselves and figure out what they stand for, what they believe in, where they fit within the family unit, where they fit within the friends. So I think each stage of them going through their life has its own set of difficulties. And it's sort of interesting how you kind of see that consistent through each of the kids, but they're all, I mean, for the most part, you know, they're not just like myself. They're, by no means perfect, but they, they, they're very passionate kids. They work very hard. Um, and they're very, the thing I'm proud of that my wife and I've hopefully helped encourage is that they're all very confident. They're all very confident. They can hold a conversation with adults. They can look you in the eye. They can be fully present. Uh, just something that we've really tried to teach them is, you know, how do you be fully present? How do you interact with people? Um, cause I think that's sort of, becoming a lost art form. Um, Got that
0: right. You got that right. They can actually put the phone down and like talk to an an adult for a few minutes.
1: Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, we don't, we very, we limit electronics a lot. So um, we just let our oldest set up an Instagram account maybe six months ago. Mm. Um, So we, we kind of took the lockdown approach, which was their brains are developing. They don't need to be inundated with information that they have to figure out what they do with it. Um, So it's not sheltering them, it's actually just helping them pre-filter so they don't have to do it. Because there's all these studies about kids that if they have to go through really difficult things or make hard decisions as a child, it does have big ramifications later on. So for these kids, my belief is they may be consuming social media and for them, it might not feel like a big decision. It might not feel like they're growing up fast in their mind because it's just what everybody does, but they're having to process information that we never had to process as kids. Mm-hmm. And it's 24 seven. You know, if someone is rude to you at school, you can't escape it. You go home. If you're on social media, it's right there. It's in, it's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody talks about FOMO and some people sort of say it jokingly, like, Oh, I don't want to miss out fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. But it's a real thing, even as adults, you know, even as yeah. adults, if you something where you know, you and I like owning our businesses, if we're working a lot and our friends are posting that they're skiing a lot with their our other buddies and they're riding bikes and they're pretty soon, you're like, oh man, I'm missing out on that. Um, and then you, you take that and you put that to kids. It's pretty tough. So we've limited mm-hmm. their electronics. We've kind of slowly introduced it. You know, obviously they can text their friends and do other things, but they have to ask us if they can have access to the phone and we limit that access. And what we've seen as a result, which is in some ways kind of sad is that when we do go hang out with groups of people with kids, their age, um, sometimes it's really difficult because when we come home, it's like, how was it? And they're like, well, we didn't really even, none of the kids talked. They were all (laughs) doing a TikTok challenge or they're all on Snapchat or they're all on their phone. So we just as siblings ended up talking and hanging out. And I think that's, it's not an indictment on those parents or those groups, but it is pretty discouraging to be like, man, in real life is so key. And these kids, there's not this recognition of when it's important to put a device down and get out of this world and get into this world Mm -hmm. and be fully present with other people. Um, So we'll see. (laughs)
0: That's the, that's the thing that I uh, push as well, fully present, right? Just put the phone down when you're having a conversation. One of the biggest mistakes I see right now in human beings, not just kids, adults too, is they'll, they'll ask you a question. They'll look you in the face and ask you something. And when you start to answer, their head goes back down to the phone and they start scrolling while you're talking. I see yeah. that all the time. That's just yeah. terrible behavior, you know, really it just is. terrible uh, it is. so it's great. I it love he, the fact that you're doing that with the kids.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I think adults, even there's been times where I've been on conference calls without video on, and you could tell when people are kind of checked out and they're multitasking oh, yeah. or other you know, things. And I'll just, I'll literally stop talking and it'll be, I mean, there's been times where it'll be a 10 to 12 to 15 second pause before they'll <laughs> realize I've stopped talking. <laughs>
0: I like that. That's a good technique.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because for us at work, you know, we have, everybody's busy and everybody inevitably asks for the same thing, which is we need more time. You know, we have Mm -hmm. too many meetings, too many conversations, too many things. And I think society as a whole could just do right by each other and just really be fully present, be a lot more focused. And instead of a 30 minute meeting or a 30 minute call, it could be a five minute conversation. You know, do right by the other person. Come
0: prepared. Have what you need to talk about. Talk about it. Uh, couldn't Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Don't you just well, last thing on this topic? We'll move on from it. But uh, my my wife and I have this very strict rule when we're out to dinner at a restaurant, no phones. You know, as soon as we walk into the restaurant, no phone while we're trying to have dinner together. See, couples, I see i see see couples yeah. at restaurants you know they're, they're out to dinner as a couple but they're both staring at their phones it's like what are you like what are yeah. you doing I, I don't get that
1: <laughs> yeah I, I that's impressive because that's we're not able to do that just yet because um I'd be too nervous that the kids would text me or right uh, that's impressive I think that's so super important I mean it's just uh yeah it's It's a balance too. You know, I think if technology is wonderful and it connects us in so so many meaningful ways and as adults, it's, you you know, we don't want to demonize technology and not that we are, but it's where do you, you have to really figure out where do you put technology? So you don't want to demonize it. You don't want to abandon it, but you also don't want to glorify it and like romanticize it and have that be the main thing in your life. So you kind of have to figure out where do I put it? And then what are the rules and the expectations and what am I okay with if other people are frustrated by that because they will be. You know, people may be frustrated if they can't get a hold of you quickly or if you're not as responsive. But just being okay with that.
0: What's your what are you, this is probably a good uh, segue into one of the questions I wanted to ask you for today. Uh, what are your thoughts on social media posts by CEOs or founders where they are taking a side on? Whatever the hot topic is of the month, right? Whatever the country's debating at the moment, right? Seems like it's always something, right? Um, And uh, some CEOs, it appears that they feel the need to speak out and take a side uh, on on things. They they get crazy, not crazy. They just get they get a little uh, uh, outspoken uh, on things. And then I've talked to many other CEOs that are just you know they're like, hey, no. I'm here to run a business. I don't get involved in that. And so I've, I've heard both from both sides. What are, you, what are your thoughts? It's
1: a really good question because it's such a delicate thing. I would probably say it depends on if you're the CEO and co-founder versus just a CEO. If you're a CEO at a large organization with 5,000 employees, I think you probably would want to be a little bit more judicious. A little bit more careful because um, at the end of the day, you know, what you say could affect uh, employees two or three levels down the line. Mm -hmm. And they're not asking for that. They're not asking for you to make a statement and have your stock price dip and then have (laughs) uh, ramifications potentially come from that where suddenly you have to have a reduction in force of 10% because your stock dipped and it couldn't rebound. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's a delicate thing because you don't want to, um, sorry, my speakers just changed.
0: Uh, uh, that sounds good.
1: You don't want to have something where you, um, you don't want to mute first, first amendment. You don't want to have a CEO feel like they can't speak their mind, but you also need someone in that leadership position to show leadership and to show the the um consideration and the thoughtfulness that what i say is this me just getting it off my chest and make mm-hmm. a, making a statement to make a statement so everybody knows where i stand well that may have ramifications down the line to someone that whether they agree with you or not are they going to lose their job Are they like you have to be really careful about that mm-hmm. or am i making a statement to try and drive change and if i want to drive change am i in a position as a ceo to do that. And am I being asked by the founders and the shareholders and the people that are vested stakeholders in this business, are they asking me to do that? Mm. And if they're not, then it's pretty audacious of me to come out and say, I want to change culture. I want to do these things. If you want to do that, then maybe be really careful to the point where maybe you resign your post first and then you go do that. Because you you're in a leadership position that has trickle-down ramifications. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a founder like yourself or myself, you know, we, Human Design is about 50 people. I'm a founder. I have the exact same responsibilities to be careful, mm-hmm. but we're small and I'm viewed as a founder in the business. So whatever I say would have to ladder up to what are some potential values of us as a business?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that you know that if you're gonna be working with us, the founder, Uh, believes these things and it might influence the way that we do business. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really delicate thing. I think people just, whatever the intent is, if your intent is to just make a lot of noise because you're frustrated and you're stressed out, that's understandable.
0: Yeah.
1: But maybe make that in smaller groups Mm. Um, because it's not that you're being muted or you're being asked to not be yourself, but you're just being asked to be careful about it. Just like as a parent, you know, you, parents can't just come out and have conversations with their kids because the kids need to know this and they will know this eventually. No, as parents, we have age appropriate conversations with our kids. You know, I'm not going to tell my kids something at six that I should probably tell them when they're 12 or 13. Yeah. I'm going to do right by them. And it doesn't mean that I'm muting myself or I'm censoring myself. It means that I'm doing right by them. And I'm thinking through how does this information need to go out into the world? So I think it really depends on what your intent is and where you're coming from, but you should just be, I think you should be personally, I think you should be pretty careful. Now I've, I've made statements, you know, like I, I, um, with black lives matter, I I posted a lot of things that black lives matter. I put a banner on LinkedIn that I created early on black lives Mm -hmm. matter. Uh, we had someone come in that we were looking to potentially do business with and say, Hey, as a heads up, Our CEO will probably, before we sign the deal with you, go peek you on LinkedIn. Uh, Hate to ask, but can you take that banner down? Because my CEO, oh, they they said they
0: asked that they asked you to do that. I see.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Okay.
1: So they asked, like, hey, you know, just as a heads up, our founder is not going to like seeing that on your LinkedIn page. They won't. He won't want to sign the deal and do business with you. What'd you do? I kept it up. Because um, for me, it's the big thing that we're lacking right now is dialogue and conversation. And that that CEO, I hope, would first and foremost hire us because we're the best business to get your job done, mm-hmm. independent of our political views. Mm-hmm. If, we are, if we are a diverse organization, which everybody needs to try and push for, if we are truly diverse, exclusive, inclusive, Like if we are truly like matching our DEI goals and we are truly inclusive Mm -hmm. and diverse as an organization, we will have multiple points of view and viewpoints of individuals in our organization. And what we don't want to do is create a um, monotone, like a, a one voice organization where we hire everybody with our beliefs. Now you're hiring a company for what we believe in on a personal level that's mm-hmm. not okay. You need to hire us because we provide a service that will move your business forward. And we're we're a bunch, we're, we're a group of human beings with diverse opinions. We're going to make mistakes, but you have to trust that our intentions are good. We're a group of good people and we're mm-hmm. really good at what we do. So we need to move your business forward. So if a CEO is concerned with me posting something as what I view as a pretty benign statement, mm-hmm. then we need to have that conversation. You know, what is it that bothers you about that? And why is it even impactful, impactful for your business? Cause mm-hmm. not to get critical, but you know, my dad was a police officer. He was a state patrolman for 20 years.
0: That's right. I remember that.
1: Yeah. And he was a CSP, super good guy. Uh, gave his career to Colorado state patrol. I personally don't like the statement uh, blue lives matter. I think mm-hmm. you're kind of missing the point. However, if someone put up a "Blue Lives Matter" banner, it wouldn't offend me to the point where I wouldn't want to talk to them as a human or do business with them. Gotcha. It's not—it's not an egregious enough front to me. Egregious fronts would be like, um, uh, you know, Nazism or okay. you know, something of that nature, where it's like we've learned from history mm-hmm. that this mindset and this set of behaviors literally either kills people or hurts them Mm. and there's really no you know nazism if you have a swastika then i would probably i wouldn't probably i want to do business with you because we know what that symbol stands for we know what that symbol backed and encouraged people to do through Mm -hmm. history
0: but if you have something right
1: now where society as a whole is very tense People are stressed out. People are making very binary statements, whether it's COVID, masks, vaccines, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, athletes like, you know, you have commentators saying just shut up and dribble. You have so many people making such huge statements about stuff that are like, at the end of the day, these are things worth having a conversation about. Hmm. They're not something worth being so close fisted about where I'm just going to shut you out right away because
0: oh, i on that topic let me ask you that that's a good segue into this then um it sounds like i'm hearing you say that hey first amendment is a big d is is very important to you uh and if if let's tie that into this question how do you feel about Twitter and, and Google and YouTube censoring or canceling or or shutting certain people up with certain opinions or views. What are your thoughts on that? Oh man, I like these questions. It's like a <laughs> heartball
1: Chris Matthews.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> it's a really tough one. Um, it gets very nuanced very fast. So I'll try and keep my answer pretty brief. Okay. I think the challenge is that you're 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 using a platform that a private business has built. That private business has built this business. And in, in some ways, it's sort of almost private property, public property. So yes, it's digital. But if I make a coffee shop and I have a coffee shop and it's a physical place that I've constructed as a business and I own this business and you come into my coffee shop and you start berating another customer or you start, you know, causing a scene And stressing people out Mm -hmm. as a business owner. That's my private, that's my business property. That's my private property. And I have the right to ask you to leave, you know, you're causing concern. You're stressing Mm -hmm. people out. People are scared. I'm going to ask you to leave my coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And that person should not, I don't think have the right to say it's first amendment. I'm just speaking my mind. You can't Mm -hmm. shut me up. Mm -hmm. Because now they're missing the point. They're conflating two different things. They're fighting for their right to speak freely and to have a first amendment speech. And that's not the issue. The issue is you're causing concern and you're causing a ruckus and you're putting people in a fearful state, which will inevitably not only for them, potentially hurt them, Mm -hmm. but it will hurt my business. Mm -hmm. I will lose customers. So it's that saying of like, you're right to swing your fists ends when it hits my face, you know? So it's like, who's deciding
0: a- who's deciding what they're saying is causing harm. Who's, who's making the well, decision on, on, on what they're saying is dangerous. Who's deciding that?
1: Well, that's, that's the really tricky thing.
0: <laughs> that's what's really hard is that, that you
1: hit it on the head, Steve, which is, it comes down to who is the, who, do you have set up mm-hmm. as your governor of your governance? Who are your, who are your set of individuals who are governing this system mm-hmm. and determining right. what is okay to say and what is not okay to say? And I think that's the big issue is that when it comes to Twitter and all these platforms, people immediately go right to the top. Oh, Jack Dorsey's censoring. Well, I would hope that Twitter, Jack's no longer there, of course, but I'd hope that Twitter has enough data To prove out that this person who's continually posting certain things is causing harm over here. Or they're just saying things that are flat out false and could cause harm. I mean, what if you had someone, what if you had someone post and they were, you know, a Nazi enthusiast or a sympathetic. Who's
0: deciding, who's deciding if it's false? (laughs)
1: well that's that's the thing is then you get in almost (laughs) like a college psychology class of relatively like relativity and truth and Mm -hmm. you know who's to decide if this is true or if this is false or if my statement and my belief even though it hurts you it's true to me and that's where i I, it's tough because it's such a complicated thing where we've lost so much civility between human beings and we are so quick just get so defensive and so angry
0: why are we like that why why has that what has caused that John Why, why are we so and that part really fascinates me you know I'll be with friends or whatever right I'll be I'll be having a beer at happy hour you know and and I'm one of those for me personally like I can talk about anything like whatever your views are I'm Hey, I'm cool. Let's let's talk about it. You know, I'm happy to listen to whatever your views are. I have opinions on things, but I don't get like mad because you don't believe yeah. what I believe. Right. But, but what a lot of people do, they just get so angry, like so fast. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. I'm just like, I just look at people. I'm like, man, just calm down. Just because, yeah. just because yeah. you like, if so you like purple and they like yellow. Like It's okay, bro. It's, it's, it's Just calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, are we so, why are we so quick to get so angry like that? What, what's doing that? I wonder
1: if part of it is that people don't like to admit that they're wrong and mm-hmm. or they don't like to at least try to think through things. It's, it's a lot harder to have a conversation, to listen to a viewpoint, to kind of figure out, do I agree with that? Do I not agree with it? Do they have a valid point? Is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that I can learn from this that take that's, that's a huge cognitive load and that takes a lot of time and effort. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, it's a series of things that like everybody's stressed out, max to the hill. We don't want to insert anything new and it's sort of like you, your brain just gets in these tracks and it gets comfortable. You know, it's like, if you had a hill that had fresh snow on it and you slide down it on a slide, a sled, sorry. You just sled down on a sled, you walk back up and you just keep sledding down in that same track. You know, it's like, you're, it's hard to create new tracks, new ways of thinking in your mind. And we're all so busy and we're all like, I don't want to do that. And then you have with, um, so much stuff going remote and so many people looking for ultimate convenience where I can be at home and I can order my food. I can, Get anything I want off of Amazon, Grubhub, um, mm-hmm. you know, my TV's a la carte. It's tough because I, I think that we're, we're really at risk of losing some of those nuanced humanity touches. Yes. Like, you know, you, you go to the grocery store now, people don't even know social interactions. <laughs> you have someone accidentally bump into you and they don't even think about it or notice. That, oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. People are so like, if they go out of their home, it's to accomplish something and to get something done so they can get back home as soon as they can.
0: Hmm.
1: And the challenge is when these people are out and about, the sense I get is that it's really sad. It feels to me like people almost view other human beings as obstacles and that they're almost no longer seeing them as human beings. But like, I'm in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to do this thing and you don't even see people as people. They're just things that are in my way. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to get around that thing to grab that thing off the shelf. And it's a person, but I don't say, excuse me, excuse my reach. Can I get my You know, it's just like, oh, that's an obstacle. I got to get through that. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have that paired up with media outlets and consumption of media and in, in silos and echo chambers. Silos. And then they sit down with someone yes. and that person unless they're instantly agreeable with you and like I 100% agree I don't like that candidate or I don't like that viewpoint or <laughs> unless they're instantly agreeable and they say like I, I don't know about that like I, I've read something different so uh, yeah
0: and of course they have read they have read something different because the feed right. in their phone fo- the feed in their yeah. phone is feeding them what they've clicked on so they're just constant they're in that they're in the sled track right at that the, yeah. your, the feed on your phone is comparable to what you said about the sled track they're just going down the yeah. same track. Cause they're there. Once you click on whatever, th- then th- yeah. it's just feeding, it's feeding you. And then, and then you're like, Oh, well, everybody thinks like me, don't they? And then when you get out in the real world and you meet somebody that you're not talking to them on the phone and you're talking to a human being and they say, Oh, well, I like purple. Don't you, don't you know, purple is better. And they're like, and you're like, what, what what are you talking about? I've been seeing yellow yeah. on my phone for two months yeah. and they freak out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those things on
1: Facebook? You probably have. They're really fascinating to me where someone will say a word and then it's like, what do you hear? And then it's like, you hear purple or you hear red or something like that. And they are like, no, that's crazy. Cause I heard purple all the whole time, but as soon as you said red, I'm like, am I listening for red? And they're saying, and it's just the same video loop. And then suddenly that's you right. hear red and you're like, what? And it's this weird thing that whatever you put in your mind is what you're thinking about. And that's mm-hmm. what you're hearing. And, you know, it's like stuff that I tell my kids about positive thinking. It's not some woo woo, like, you know, think positive about yourself and other things. It's, it's the reality, which is the way your brain works is that whatever you tell your brain to think about your brain will think about. So if I say, Hey, Steve, I uh, don't think about an elephant. As soon as I said elephant, I would imagine you probably pictured an elephant. Yes. So even though I said, Hey, Steve, don't think about an elephant. The first thing your brain thought about was an elephant. Mm -hmm. So if if you insert negative thoughts into your mind and you're like, you know, I'm not good enough or, you know, society's going down the tubes or this person, you can, it's really hard to reverse yourself out of that because you're putting these thoughts in your brain and your brain is just a machine that is objective. It's, it's non, you know, it really doesn't have its own opinion. It's like, whatever you put in there, your brain will be like, all right, I guess this is what I'm thinking about right now. (laughs) Good point. And, you know, if you're, if you're consuming a lot of media and and misery loves company. So it's proven psychologically that people love that because your brain it's, it's like um, empty calories. It's like sugar. Like your brain loves trauma and drama. And like, you know, that old saying, like, if it bleeds, it leads in the news because your brain just loves that stuff. You're right, and it's a yep. weird security blanket too. Of like, if I read about someone else going through something tough or other things, in some ways, it makes me feel better because I'm like, Man, I'm safe in an office in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Like, all, all the subconscious stuff. Um, so like, when COVID first hit, as an example, and we went remote March 13th, of
0: 2020,
1: yeah, and um. You know, maybe a month later we had an all hands and I remember with our all hands, we're all remote, of course, on zoom, one of our leadership team members was very vulnerable and he's like, Hey, do you, do you, do you have any thoughts on COVID and like, cause I'm, I'm pretty stressed out, you know? And he said that in the all hands and I'm glad he asked it. And I, I was like, you know, for what it's worth, stay out of the news cycle. So don't, don't consume the news, stay out of the news cycle. Mm-hmm. use this time to like mm-hmm. focus on the things that you want to focus on mm. as much as you can stay out good of the advice. news cycle. We don't, we don't, they don't know and we don't know. And you're just going to be churning and your brain's going to be trying to solve problems and close loops on things that are an infinite loop that will wear, wear you out and wear you down. Mm. It's not good. a good place to be in. So stay out of the news cycle.
0: Good advice. Good, excellent advice, John. Let me ask you, uh, that's another touchy one real quick. And then one last touchy outside the lines question, then we'll get into human design. Yeah. Uh, a lot of CEOs, well, first of all, you know, it's a founder, partner, CEOs, executives. It It is hard, super ass hard to run a business on a regular day in a regular yeah. year. Yeah. Now you throw in, now you got to be concerned about COVID, okay, masks, vaccinations, uh, opinions. Yeah. What am I going to force people to do? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, you got all this stuff coming down. I, and, and I've talked to lots of CEOs. You know, we, we do, we interview executives on the podcast all the time. And uh, I can feel them trying to trying to decide right they're almost like kind of standing on the sidelines and they're they're, they're watching and they're listening and they're, okay the biden said this and then the supreme court said yeah. that and then this and then that and then i heard this and then i heard that and they're all i see ceos kind of like oh shit okay what what what, what do we do here and i see some of them struggling you know and uh and i've talked to a lot of them and, and some and now they're at a point more more often than not now i hear them say they'll say something like, man, I'm just trying to run my business. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to... wow. What are your thoughts? So what what have you done with COVID masks and vaccinations at human design? What do you plan on doing? Do you want to touch on that or no?
1: Yeah, we can. Um, it's interesting timing. I'm looking at the clock. It's January 27th,
0: January 27th, 2022 for all the listeners yes, while we're recording this. So it's a, <laughs> It's a different, yeah. different answer. Different answer every time I ask this question over the last twelve months when I get somebody on because things changing so fast. But go
1: ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the reason why it's interesting timing is that starting next Monday, the second, we're asking we're going to move to a hybrid approach where we'll have employees in the office three days a week. Okay. And you know, so we've had to really think through this and wrestle with this because there, everybody has an opinion and everybody's incredibly opinionated opinionated whether you're an employee or whether you're an owner Um, and again it feels like those opinions are always very binary it's like hey the new way of working is 100% remote businesses that don't do that they're going to die and if other people are like no that's not true we're going to bring everybody back Mm -hmm. you know that's the way we do our business my approach and Matt my co-founder's approach is and especially mine I'll speak for me I don't want to speak for Matt here but we're pretty aligned on this, but my approach is as long as we're not doing something that's unethical or immoral or overtly hurting people, then we need to be able to make the decisions to run our business in the way that our business needs to run. So we can keep the lights on so we can pay our employees their raises, so we can pay their benefits, so that we can run the business. So what I find a little discouraging and disheartening is the amount of scrutiny and judgment that comes on a business owner, from everybody about how you're running your business you should let your employees work remote 100% of the time you should give them this you should give them that at the end of the day what that does is it causes a lack of trust throughout the entire system and small businesses as you know depend on a high level of trust and you have Mm -hmm. to have a high trust environment so your employees have to trust the leadership team that we're not doing this just to put butts in the seats and make sure that you guys are here and that it's, we're solving the problem or the question of lack of trust that we don't think you're doing your work, but you have to trust us that for the type of business that we do, it is predicated on FaceTime as a creative agency. Mm -hmm. We need unplanned collisions. We need unplanned collaboration. We need Mm -hmm. the ability. You can't tell, but there's a whiteboard wall behind me. We need the ability to sketch things out and draw the energy off of each other. Because as human beings, we literally have energy coursing through our spinal cord. Mm. It's proven. We literally as human beings have energy in our body that you can feel and you can sense. Yes. And when you're creating something and you're trying to find that lightning in a bottle and a spark and you're, you're a creative director and you're a copywriter and you're a design director and you're a designer and you're a filmmaker you're a project manager and you're an account person, we found that that magic happens with FaceTime and in the same room. You know, oh yeah, hundred percent. What about this? What about that? Et cetera. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that, you have this natural bifurcation where the people that aren't in the room inevitably it's hard to plug in. It's hard to read body language. It's hard to interject. Say, Hey, can I say something? What if we did, or I have to leave early because I got to go pick up my, you know, laundry or whatever, or, Hey guys, I got a meeting in 10 minutes. I got to sign off. And it puts this, these really weird stresses in the system from an inefficient standpoint where now we have to catch those people up. So maybe the last two minutes of the meeting, a huge decision was made. Right. And then someone in Slack is like, wait, wait, we never talked about that. Why, who made that decision? It's like, Oh, it was in the meeting that you weren't in, or it was when we were walking to our desks in the hallway, And someone said something, we ended up extending the meeting for 10 minutes. And now we have to go back and like, okay, who didn't hear that? We got to catch them up. Mm -hmm. So for for us, it's my belief is just trust the leadership that in order to run the business efficiently and effectively so that we can still do what makes you guys happy, which is have your paycheck auto deposited into your bank account every two weeks. (laughs) And we know that that's important for you trust that we're making decisions to run our business most effectively so that we can do that mm, good. and the fallout the positive fallout is that we can give you guys raises we can give you guys benefits we can hire we can open up headcount so you have to trust and i'm not at this point in time about human design but that trust has to be there mm-hmm. that it's not just like oh you just you're old school you just want us in and on the flip side if a business doesn't need people to come in, don't ask them to come in, yeah. let them work remote, let them work hundred percent remote. You know, there's, it's not a one size fits all. And I think right now, a lot of thought leaders and talking heads are trying to really be provocative and be like the future of work equals X. And they're trying to like find the one size fits all so they can write blog posts about it. They could be seen as a thought leader, forward thinking for me. I'm like, just let common sense prevail. If your business is predicated <laughs> on human beings being in the same environment, then set up an environment that is safe. Like human design, we have cleaning crew come through twice a day, wipe down all the door handles, wipe down anything. That's really, we're in a zero, uh, a zero net building as well with proper okay. airflow. Um, So it's a long-winded answer, but I think it's just really hard to run a business because you're scrutinized for everything. Everybody has outlets, whether it's fishbowl, whether it's glass door, you know, and the employees that are not happy are the ones that are going to be squeaky.
0: The ones that are happy
1: are usually not talking. That's a good point. And as as a business owner, as a CEO, it's really, I don't know about you, but it's really the big challenge is how do you move forward? with courage and without fear that like, okay, if, if, if these two employees that are like, I think we're old school, why can't we do X, Y, Z? And if you're like, that's just the way we're not running our business, it's not anything personal for you, but the way we're right. running our business, this, you are just going to have to move forward with conviction and courage that even if they go torpedo you, that's their prerogative. Yep. And I think the worst way you could do it as a business. And this is the last thing I'll say, I'll stick the landing. The worst thing you can do as a business is be wishy-washy on it and be Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, we, we may do this. We may be that. It may be dependent on the team. So this team is going to be hundred percent remote. This team's going to be required to come in two days a week. This team's going to, you create these weird natural divisions where it's like, okay, so my team, we have to get in the car and commute for an hour and a half, but that team doesn't. And you, you just, you have to like have a constitution and a conviction as a business. And then you have to articulate that to your employees. And yep. then you have to put it into practice and then just go with it and then test right. it and measure it. And then maybe change it six months down the road or three months down the road maybe. if it's not working. But mm-hmm. so many leaders right now are like, I don't know, what's the market saying? What's Google doing? What's Apple doing? Should we open back up? And that lack of conviction and stress mm-hmm. can be felt by your employees.
0: You're right. And they don't have
1: a say in the matter. So if there's this abstract stress at the leadership level that we don't really know what we're doing, imagine what your employees are thinking. Like, um, so Good it's more.
0: You know, one thing you just said right there, and then I want to ask about human design. Small businesses can't just look at Google and, and Apple and oh, they're doing this, so so we should. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. They have billions of dollars. I mean, I, I that always I strike that. It's it's funny when I'll hear an employee say, not not at Rider Flex, but from another company, right? I'll hear an employee say, Well, this company does this, 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 and this for their employees. And I and I'm I'm like, okay, well, they got billions of dollars in the bank. This company over here is trying to make payroll next week. So <laughs> it's not it's not the same thing, right? I mean, you were trying to you you're running a business and yeah it's nice to have it's nice to do certain things culturally it's mm-hmm. nice to do certain things to create a fun environment but if there's no cash in the bank none of that shit matters right yeah <laughs> Exactly right uh let me ask uh, about human design uh so First of all, give, give the three-minute uh, uh, elevator pitch on human design, what you do, what it is, and then just kind of then roll into what's the latest and what's happening with, with human design. Go for it.
1: Yeah, so human design is a brand and communications agency, independently owned. We have a headquartered here in Boulder. We have an office in Portland, Oregon as well. We're about 50 individuals. So what we do is strategy, design, and then we also do production which differentiates us film production. We have that all in house. So as a brand and communication agency, our belief uh, is that you can only like brands can only move people by being human. Mm -hmm. So our focus is how do we really find the traits in your brand that will connect with people on a personal level? And what are those traits that are almost human, uh, human attributes for your brand? You know, is your brand viewed as empathetic, concerned, uh, focused, aggressive, athletic? Like what are the things that we can identify in your brand that are true Mm. that people can resonate with on a human level? Because 85% of decisions are based on emotion and Mm. people don't buy products and services. They buy brands that they love. So our focus is how do we work with clients that come to us and how do we humanize them in a way that the end result is your consumers or your audience can fall in love with you. And that may feel like high and hard to do, Mm -hmm. but isn't that the best thing that you could do, which is rather than put an ad out in the world, which is trying to convince you to buy something in that moment in time, isn't it better to create affinity with your audience as a brand Mm. and have them actually understand who you are and what you stand for so they can actually trust you and fall in love with you Mm -hmm. and have more loyalty towards that brand. You know, whether it's Nike, Patagonia, Subaru, Honda, Tesla. Um, so that's our focus as an agency.
0: Um, do you do everything if, can I, can, can people call you for everything? Let's, let's, I mean, let's say it's a, a $5 million uh, business. They've done a little social media on their own, but really yeah. they've had no marketing. Can they call and just say, Hey, please take over our marketing overall, or just certain aspects.
1: We do everything except for place the media paid media earned media. So we will create campaign strategies we will create go- to market strategies and social strategies, but we we're not then focused on. we used to do this last year and we we decided to stop doing it because the margins are low and we really don't want to do it, which is actually take those assets, you know, create images, words, and videos, and post them on your behalf in all the social channels and turn the dials and trade desk and make sure we're getting a return on ad spend. Mm. That's a commodity business that we did and we made money on it but it doesn't get our team juiced up because at the end of the day, you're going to have a room full of 10 people turning dials on ads. Yep. Now we're partnering with people that can do that. So
0: Okay. Okay. um, So you can still be my source. You can still be my primary contact, but you'll outsource that piece.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and we'd be really focused on, you know, out, um, like what's the message that you want to put out there in the world? And what's that campaign and, And we would kind of shepherd that. And then we would then say, here here are the assets that you probably want to create. And we could create those assets for you, but we're not going to place them for you.
0: Okay. Got it. And by the way, I got it. Got it. And it's humandesign.com, right? Humandesign.com. And anybody that's interested in making contact with you guys can just go to the website. There's a contact information page there. Okay.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: You are taking on new clients, right?
1: We are. So anybody,
0: yep. And, and, and do you uh, target a certain industry or a certain size? What's your specialty? For size, uh, any business,
1: small, small to medium sized businesses are great for us. Um, you know, ideally doing three to five million, re- three to five million in revenue per year as the base. Okay. okay. Ideal. Uh, we do or straight up startups that are funded and capitalized with at least a series A. We work with them as well um from a vertical standpoint we do a lot in healthcare we do a lot in um sports and we do a lot in outdoor but okay. we're pretty um agnostic when it comes to verticals
0: okay very good how many people on the team right now
1: um close to 50 i think
0: congratulations my friend and you've had it nice. what for seven seven years eight years
1: uh 8 years we turned 8 in october so
0: 8 years 50 people profitable Increase last year in sales of twenty twenty one over twenty
1: twenty. Yeah, last year was our best year ever in terms of top line. Awesome. Uh, And then we, you know, we we reinvested all of that money back in the business. So, congratulations! um, I think we're going to have a really good twenty twenty two.
0: Congratulations, growing business, and you're kicking ass. Uh, Thank you. Love love everything you love everything you're doing, my friend. Uh, You you guys, and by the way, you work with people all over the country, right? You're not just you nationwide.
1: Nationwide and globally. we have a company in Austria right now. We have a we have a couple of clients in Israel. Uh, awesome. So we are global, but we do a lot of nationwide work. So. Congrats,
0: my friend. John, yeah, I really you. appreciate you. Uh, I wish we could do another hour. Uh, I could talk to you about uh, a lot more stuff. really appreciate you coming back on the show. you, you know my pleasure. Uh, I love your thoughts and analysis on stuff and congrats on the business, my friend.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it.